Let's go live with Jack Kelly. Welcome to the one-of-a-kind LinkedIn live show that will help you with your job search and advancing your career. We will bring in educated career experts who will share their insights and give you inside tips on how to be successful in your job search. Now let's get into today's show with your host, Jack Kelly. We are live. All right. So let's go live with Jack Kelly and our guest today, Kat Breet. Welcome, Kat. Thanks. Glad to be here. Hey, Kat. So I know you're a career expert, but I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about who you are, what you do, the type of work you do, so that we could really help a lot of people today. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a recovering recruiter. All due respect, Mr. When you, Kelly. When you say recovery, I saw that. Why recovery? What does that mean exactly? You know, um, it's it cracks me up to say it, and it's a nod to how difficult recruiting was okay. for me. I had I was so afraid of rejection. I had such a hard time cold calling clients and candidates. I really suffered, um, but I fought through. So anyway, it was um, it was a really hard career for me to succeed in in the first couple of years, and then I broke through, and I've just learned so many life lessons. So um, it's just tongue in cheek, having a little fun. Yeah, it's because it's an interesting concept. There's this uh, person I want to say his name is Josh Brown, who was a stockbroker. Now he works for this asset management company and his, his, I don't want to say shtick, but his shtick is I'm the reformed broker, you know, with, I guess the connotation, like, all right, I'm not that guy who's going to churn your account. I'm going to be now the person who's going to, you know, be a sophisticated money manager. So when you said that, it kind of, so is that what it is? Like, okay, I was on the dark side as a recruiter. Yeah, it's now, all of that. <laughs> I'll never forget when I met my father-in-law, um, he's... Anyway, long story short, I was the girlfriend from America. I flew to South Africa to meet my husband's family. And his dad said, so what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm in sales. And he said, oh, his eyes got huge. And he said, oh, Katharina, you shouldn't tell anybody that. Why? <laughs> so it's you... kind of a nod. You know, there are a lot of people who've never been in sales and recruiting who um, don't really understand it. And they might feel that we're a little bit pushy or anyway. So poor recruiters, they get a bad rap. They don't deserve it. You put people into jobs that change their lives. You do incredible things. And, uh, so, um, but I like to poke fun at it because so you fun. started as a recruiter, but I think as a career expert, having a recruiting background definitely helps a lot because you understand how it works Absolutely, and, and how hard it is and how challenging it is to get both sides, yeah. you know, the hiring manager and the job seeker to get together to negotiate yeah. salaries. So I think that gives you a leg up in terms of understanding the whole process. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure you, like me, always say to people, be very careful where you get advice from. And if somebody's never hired anybody in their life, you probably shouldn't be listening to them about how to go get that dream job or get that next client. So I do really value, I love my background. I love recruiting. Um, if I ever get tired of what I do now, I will definitely go back in recruiting. Yeah, I don't want to jump ahead, but with with uh, the rejection, and clearly in this kind of market, you probably hear this all the time. I hear this all the time from people. You get so much rejection, and it just it, it almost becomes debilitating for some people yeah. because it's hard to go send out, you know, fill out these long applications. They go into the black hole of these companies. You send out resumes, you don't hear back. And it's like, what happened? Maybe you have an interview, you get ghosted. So as a recruiter or a career coach, what, how do you, 
How do you help people with that? What do you do? Well, first I like to, um, one of the first things I'd like to do with people is to talk about the elephant in the room. So mm -hmm. I've got a series, top 10 confessions from the hiring side of the desk and really identify um, not just the stuff that's out of their control, like the resume black hole, 12% chance of success when you apply online. So I first want to help them see that they might be doing every single thing right and they're still up against some pretty tough odds, especially if they're applying online. So to give them permission to let themselves off the hook a little bit, you know, you're not crazy, you're not no good, you're up against a tough thing, especially applying online. But the second thing is to then start doing some inside work and talk about the, um, the biggest barriers to success. So I lift up four biggest barriers to success, to, to job search success. And we also have a coaching program for consultants and it's kind of the same thing. You gotta hunt for clients, you gotta hunt for your next job. Um, the four biggest barriers are all self-imposed, lack of focus, lack of action, fear and isolation. And that rejection falls into that fear category. So I really try to help people open up and see what are you afraid of? What are you really afraid of? So what is it about rejection that you're really afraid of? Is it, is it that they say no, or is that that icky feeling in your stomach that maybe you weren't good enough? So trying to get them to identify what are you really afraid of? And is it really that bad? So then we work on the solution piece. All right, so if the worst thing that could happen is that somebody turns you down for a job, all right, that's gonna happen. You're not gonna want every job. It's not always gonna be a fit. Um, the average person gets has to go on 14 interviews. You probably know this, Jack, 14 interviews to get a job offer. Um, that's horrible. But if you know it going in, then when you get the first rejection, you can say, ah, there's the first one. All right, that one's done. Moving on, I'm getting closer to a yes. They're all tricks that I had to use myself in recruiting and sales to keep picking up that phone and keep going on. That's what works for me. Yeah, because that's one of the things I notice a lot that it's easy to get there. You get rejected, meaning you send an application, they don't pick up on it. You have an interview, they don't call you back. Then you lose your self-confidence and then you lose your self-confidence. The next time you go for an interview, you're going to perform poorly because you just don't feel good about yourself. So that's such a key thing to deal with. And it's, it's, it's interesting. When I first started recruiting, you know, you get rejected more times than success. You know, if you go and try to get a job order or you want to entice a, a candidate to move, I'd say probably you get, you fail or you get, you know, rejected eight out of 10, nine out of 10 times. But then after a while, it's like, if you know that, and as you pointed out in terms of managed expectations, that the way things are designed is a numbers game and that you're going to fail way more than you succeed. But then if you keep trying, you're, you're going to eventually hit those those things that you're going to succeed at. So it's the same thing, whether a recruiter or a job seeker, is it's like looking at it as a big numbers game. If you keep trying and trying and trying and trying, but to your point too, you can't just try. And this is what we can talk about too. You have to have a really thorough, smart approach. Eventually you'll click. Yes. You can't ignore those things. You definitely need to have a smart approach um, because you can make 50 phone calls a day. And if what you're saying isn't connecting to people, then it's 50 yeah. wasted phone calls. So you, you do, you, unfortunately, um, career transition, it's a whole set of skills that nobody teaches you and you have to learn them. Um, and so, you know, back to those four barriers to success, trying to figure it out on your own is a very painful, expensive 
long hauls. So go find people whose advice you can trust, people who have experience hiring um, and can really give you the, the tricks that you need to take the shortest path. Yeah. And we jumped ahead a little bit because when you're worried about rejection, it's just that's something that's so out there. Uh, you know, I wanted to run with a little bit. So you moved from a recruiter and what made you decide to go into career coaching? Um, let's see, what was my journey? Um, recruiting, well, I woke up in a toxic job. So I'd um, become a great recruiter. And of course I was really good at landing myself a job. And I, I took a job that I thought I would love at a global company. I used to sell consultants to this company and I wanted to be on the inside. And so I got myself that job and then I woke up miserable. For, so, you know, it's like the cobbler's kids have no shoes. Yeah. I know how to help other people find <laughs> a dream job, ask the tough questions. And I just, I went for gold because I wanted to get inside that client. And uh, I did, landed myself a job, woke up four weeks later, so miserable that my husband looked at me and said, I don't know who you are, but I want my wife back. You better Why, What happened? Why was it so bad? Um, because I'd been in the consulting industry. For about like what, like management months. consulting? Is that what's that? Like management consulting? What kind yeah, of management <laughs> and and staffing. So it was IT okay. and then I did marketing okay. consulting. And so I'd been um, selling to these companies, selling consulting services. Um, and I had a desk and a phone, and it was up to me to create my own reality and succeed. And I was able to innovate and do all of these things. And I took a job as a recruiter inside a huge company. And they wanted me to show up, sit at my desk and do what they wanted me to do. So they um, they wanted me to be a robot. And I was actually getting in trouble because they only wanted me to do a 10 minute phone screen. And then- so, Oh kick, my gosh. So they have it like down to the minute of- Oh, like, it was, the, the model was built for high volume staffing, uh, but they hired me to recruit and hire $300,000 salespeople. Right. And you know, as well as I do, that salespeople really know how to pour it on thick and interview yeah. effectively. I'd been in the business long enough that I knew how to smell a rat. And so I was digging in because I wasn't just interested in getting somebody hired. I wanted to make sure they were going to be there three years from now and be successful. Um, and I was getting in trouble. Because <laughs> you're not sticking to the script. Stick to the script. Yeah, Can't yeah. And I said, but the guy's going to and they said, that's not your job. So anyway, I landed in a bad job, which got my, it got me thinking, okay, what is a good job for me? What makes me happy? I do not want to march to somebody else's drum any longer. I really need to start my own company. Um, and I didn't do it right then. I went and took another job back out in consulting with a company that I still love and built that plan to go out on my own. And how did I get into coaching? I started out as a search firm because that's what I knew. That's what I was good at. And I was chugging along. And then I started getting more and more people coming to me for career coaching. And I'd say, I'm not a career coach. And they said, but can you just, you know, in an hour, yes. an hour later, I realized I'm pretty darn good at helping people identify where's their fire, what's going to make them happy, how to get more money, freedom, and fun. I wrote a book. I started building online courses and decided that was a lot more fun. Uh, so instead of selling people, now I get to teach them how to sell themselves. That's awesome. It makes a lot of sense. You can see that progression, how that, you know, you develop the skill stack, you know, from the recruiting, the sales, you know, being in-house and then saying, okay, now I'm going to launch my own thing and be my own boss, you know, run my own show. Mm -hmm. and, and how do you like that? I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. 
it's been hair raising at moments. Great recession, anyone? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, COVID. So there, the, the, it's hard. It is not for everyone, but I absolutely love it. I, I love what I do. I jump out of bed every day. Um, and I often wish I had 20 more hours in the week so I could do more work because I love it. Um, so well, it's been great. great. And do, do you focus on any specific type of person? You know, you know executive, mid-level? Probably mid-career. Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning, I focused strictly on IT and marketing because that is the world that I grew up in. Um, but then when I started launching online courses and speaking, I started attracting everybody from million dollar executives to police officers. So then I went really broad during the Great Recession, and now I've dialed it back in. And so mid-career, so people from 35 and up, um, 35 to 55 is, is really that sweet spot. They're high achievers. They're doing well. They know where the bathroom is. They understand time management. They want to get to that next level. Um, but they aren't quite sure how. Um, so that's that's my favorite group. So it may not necessarily be people in between roles. It could be people who they're mid-management and they're of a certain age and they're like, hey, I got to do something because time is you know ticking. How do I get to that next rung up the ladder? And you'd help them achieve that. Is that? Yeah, a lot, a lot of my most popular talks are around what's next. Figuring out what you want, and then charting the path to get you there and helping people make those really hard, important decisions. Should you stay and climb that ladder in the company you're in? Should you go? And if you should go, should it be another company? Should it be starting your own business? So um, I'm just a big believer. I took two years to start my own business because it's a major financial career, emotional decision, and it's a family affair. Um, so I love uh, helping people with that, figuring out what do you want and what's the smartest path to get you there. So what would you say in today's time, and this might not be a fair question because we're, it, it's just so crazy, the time we're living in, for folks who are, are working, you know, they're, they're fortunate, they have a job, but I think most people have a job that's still a little afraid, like, can I lose it tomorrow? And even if they're not afraid, but they're like, all right, what do I do? I, I, I don't want to get complacent because as we see with this COVID pandemic, things change violently, swiftly, and you have to be prepared. So it's not fair because it's hard to give advice, you know, I mean, just general, but what would you say to people who are, all right, I either worried about losing my job or I want to advance to help them start thinking of, of how to start planning to make that next yeah. Um, and I actually think it's a very fair question yeah. because I've been in the industry for 23 years and this isn't my first economic challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's my first pandemic. <laughs> this is um, different though, right? Like this pandemic is different than 2008, uh, I think 2009, different than like after 9-11. I think this is just... It is. It's different. It's crazy. It's unprecedented. Mm -hmm. And yet... The fundamental advice I've been giving people for 22 years really same. is the same. Really, it's first of all, you got to get your head out of the sand. Um, you need to recognize that gone are the days of the 30-year career. They just are. The average American is changing jobs every 4.6 years. A layoff is probably in your future. And if you sit and wait to see what happens, you're going to be in a really scary, hard financially painful situation. You have an opportunity right now, if you're, even if you're not afraid of a layoff, you have an opportunity right now to say, you know what? I'm going to approach my career as CEO me. 
I am me. This is who I am today. These are my skills, my expertise. This is the job I'm in right now, but it's not, it is not all of me and it's not the rest of my life. This is where I am right now. I'm going to take my A game to work right now, but I'm going to start to build a network and build a reputation outside. And so you see this every day. Um, you know, as an executive recruiter, you meet candidates who are phenomenal at their job, but they've been living in a bubble. And they're phenomenal in their universe and they don't know any of their competitors. They don't have relationships with people in uh, other firms, in other industries. And when the board of directors cuts jobs and they lose their job, they are starting cold. And it is a really difficult way to get started. A, it is really hard with the confidence. So there are a lot of reasons why my recommendation is start right now. Even if you don't know what you want to do next, just start building those relationships. You know, you and I could spit out thousands of quotes from highly successful people about your network is your net worth. It's true. It's absolutely true. And in order to get that career you love, that next job, it's really about who you know. You can apply online and you'll have a 12% chance and it'll take you six and a half months to find a job on average or you can build up, a, um, I call it an army of advocates, a network of people who know you and trust you, and you can find a job in half the time. And not just that, it'll be a job you enjoy more and you'll get paid more. So just stand up and start connecting with people who you admire, people who you're interested in what they do for a living. And it can be as simple as just a, hey, I saw your article on blah, blah, blah. I'd love to connect. Start doing that now. And then if that layoff happens, you've got that that network built up. I, I, I like this. It's it's a lesson. So what you're saying is that first you have to look at yourself as you're the CEO of your own career, of your own life. And just by saying that to me, when I hear that, it means like, okay, you have to take control of your own career. You can't let anyone else dictate it. And you don't. And then secondly, it sounds I was taking notes as you're talking. So so because it's good, you know, good stuff. So, I have, good sign. so then so then you have it. And it's interesting because I was speaking to this guy, Kevin Turner, yesterday, and he's going to come on a forthcoming one. And he was saying something similar to this. And the reason I'm saying that, so he doesn't get mad at me that we front run his conversation because he was kind of sharing similar advice in, in, in that most people, it's so interesting that they go about doing their job and they do, they do a great job. Let's say, you know, you're talking about a player, right? doing their job. She's doing awesome. She's doing great. But the focus is all on her job. And then if something goes awry, she's not prepared to have to kind of find a new job. So what you're saying, hey, in addition to being good at what you do, you also have to start marketing yourself. You have to start building your network. You have to start getting on the radar screen of a lot of different people, even when you're happy, even when things are good. Is that is that kind of? Yeah. I mean, yeah. to sum it up, I tell people all the time, being good at what you do is important. Being known for that is priceless. It's such a, you know, it's, it's one of those things that when you say it, it's like, you know, a light bulb kind of thing. Because I think most people feel, and I can tell you as a recruiter, some, all the time people feel like, well, I do this and I'm good at what I do, so hire me. And yeah. I'll be like, dude. Look at my resume. Work. I'm awesome. I, I, especially like in my area, place in compliance, there were years where it was so blazing hot. They, you know, people would just be like, "Oh, here's my resume. I mean, what's what do you want to know? Come on." 
I'm like, dude, it doesn't work that way. It's not that, you know, you have to sell yourself a little bit. You have to market yourself if it's hot. So, so yeah, because so many people are just focused in and think, hey, if I'm good at my job, well, everyone's going to know it. And then I'm going to get all the break. Now, sometimes that happens, but I think a lot of times it doesn't, right? Like you could be great at what you do, but if no one knows it, right? you know, or if your boss just knows it and, and your boss sometimes, do you, do you run into this too? Where sometimes your, the boss would want you to stay where you are because you're so good at your job that they don't want you to go to the next level because they're not going to replace you. So they rather you stuck. And if no one else knows yeah. how you're doing, you're stuck. Absolutely. Right? So your boss might be holding yeah. on to you. That happens all the time. Um, you know, your, what if your boss quits? Lots of things that can happen. And, um, you know, none of us were taught this as kids. No. We were not as adults, really, right? Like people no. don't talk about this kind of thing. We were trained about, right? to follow the teacher. Yes. We were trained to look at the dude or gal in the fancy suit and wait for them to tell us what's next. And, you know, my dad said to me, uh, work hard, put your head down and you will be- Nose to the grindstone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I believed him. And then at 24, I went out for drinks with another rookie recruiter and I found out I was making 25% less in my base salary. And I was the same age with the same level of experience. And I talk about an eye opener. And I called my dad. I said, daddy, you said if I work hard and I keep my head down. What are you down, talking about? But I'm making 25% less. What happened? He's like, what? That's horrible. Yes, it's horrible. So uh, anyway, I could talk for hours with you about this. Well, well it's a big thing because I think these are one of the things that people don't bring up because I think. And I, I would bet you a lot of people who watch this or listen to it, they'll kind of at first disagree because it's so ingrained in our culture that you have a job. And if you just focus on that job and you're good at the job, that's sufficient. Whereas I, I've seen it firsthand. It sounds like, you know, you've seen it too, where you could be, there are these people who spend, I don't know, percentages, let's just say for argument's sake, 30% of their time, 40% of their time kind of marketing themselves, schmoozing, you know, as you pointed out, connecting with the right people that you want to connect with to build mutual, you know, benefiting relationships, people who are maybe way above you and you want to kind of, maybe you could be a little bit of a protege to them. And those are the ones I see go up the ladder. They might not be the best at what they do. They actually might be average, but because they know how to play the game, their career, and I see it because I've been doing this for 25 years. So you see their career, you see some of their careers go zoop, right off the charts. And then you see others just either plot along or just do little bit a little bit a little bit you know what I mean well and as a recruiter you know every single day you're in there saying to your client listen I know he's not a showboat mm -hmm. but this is your best candidate trust mm -hmm. me and you can convince your clients that have been working with you for years to do that but a lot of times if you can't get your candidates to sell themselves a little bit I mean it's 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 tough so it is a skill that you have got to learn and I didn't learn it overnight. I, what did I do to figure out how to sell myself? First of all, you probably have um, a lot of viewers who are already kind of bracing themselves because we all know that sleazy sales dude that climbed the ladder and he was <laughs> constantly bragging about himself, some yeah. women too. And yeah. so you might be very concerned about coming across as that aggressive, cocky, arrogant person. And my tip to you is if you're worried about that, you're never going to become an arrogant, over-the-top person. They don't care what other people think of them. If you're concerned about it, I have a 98% chance that you are erring on the side of 
not selling yourself at all. So you've got to get right. out of that. Cause you're thinking about it already. So it's, it, yeah. Yeah. Now, how would you do that? How would you suggest for somebody to start that? So, uh, you know, the person is mid management ish kind of level, relatively safe where they are without blowing up their spot. You know, what are just some practical things they can do to get noticed and start building out their brand, building up their network? Yeah. So, you know, the easiest thing to do is to, I call it finding your fire, you know, Mm -hmm. figure out what is that thing you're passionate about. So when I was a director of recruiting uh, for a global consulting firm, yeah, I liked hitting my numbers and I loved Mm -hmm. making six figures, those big fat bonus checks. I really liked those things. But the thing that really lit my fire was watching a rookie recruiter step into their own skin and start to knock it out of the park. Also, building relationships, you know, traditionally recruiters are dog eat dog, they aren't teammates. And so building that team, getting recruiters and salespeople to work to it. So the people side of it. So once I figured out what was that thing that I loved to do, I started realizing I'm actually pretty good at that. I love it. And I'm really good about it. Mm -hmm. So be intentional about figuring out what's that sweet spot that you're good at and you love to do, and then start looking for other people who are either also good at that um, and start building relationships with peers and or people who aren't good at it and could use some help. And um, so initially, if you're brand new to this, start looking internally inside your organization. So I was 26 years old, director of recruiting. I really didn't have a big idea about what I was doing, but I started talking to recruiters in the rest of the, co- the company. And there was one in Australia who said, how did you build the number one team in the company? I want to do that. And I said, oh, hey, well, I'd love to help you. So offering to help other people. And then the reputation happened. And all of a sudden, I was speaking globally. So look in your own backyard for opportunities to share your skills and your gifts and your talents. And then start sharing that on a broader. And you're going to have to get a little uncomfortable to post a recent success on LinkedIn I've been on LinkedIn 15 years. I know you're out there too, Jack. It is the most important tool for professionals today. You got to be out there and you have to be out there and active and just start adding project successes, start connecting with others in that space you love, um, building that network and talk to the boss. um, Don't wait for your annual review sit down maybe quarterly, schedule a coffee date, take your boss to lunch when the shutdowns are over Mm -hmm. um, and and check in with your immediate supervisor and say, hey, I just wanna do a little pulse check. Um, Here's what I've been up to. Here's what I've accomplished this year. Here's what I'm thinking about for next year. How do you think I'm doing? And get that, you gotta ask for it to get that feedback. I think quarterly is a great idea. And then you're building that that briefcase full of success stories and things and learning about opportunities for improvement. And then again, you can take those successes out, update that LinkedIn profile with some metrics and, and keep on going. So, so it sounds like you have to be really strategic about it and have kind of a plan to execute all the things you're saying, but you have to have a little courage too. Because like to say to your boss, hey, let's sit down and talk. It, it takes, you know, a, a lot to knock on their door. Well, now it's not, a, you know, a Zoom call, I guess, or send a, you know, an email or text. And just to have that, because everyone's going to be afraid. What are they going to say? Maybe they might say, you're not doing, you know, you're not doing well. And you got to take, deal with rejection again. 
Uh, but it's you have to do it. It sounds like right. You just have you to do, kind of get the blame. You got to do it no matter what. And and mindset. You know, there's a the the good news is there's a lot of research out there about how to get a um, success mindset, how to shift your brain literally mm -hmm. chemically out of fear into into you know courage and positivity. So so many resources out there, amazing TED Talks. Mindset is really important. Also, just start really low key. If you have never or arranged a meeting with your boss, uh, start out, think about one opportunity, get an idea for your business. So look out at the landscape, there are fires burning everywhere. What's a problem in the business that you've got an idea to fix? And go and propose that to your boss. So if it's too intimidating to say, how am I doing? Then say, hey, I have an idea I'd love to talk to you about, about how to increase revenues or reduce spend or whatever it is, and propose a little mini project unsolicited. That is a phenomenal way for you to A, stand out, and B, be the last man standing when the next round of layoffs come. That's really smart because you're taking action. And even if, let's say, your manager says, well, thanks, but we have it covered. Just sometimes by asking or bringing it up gives you that halo effect of, wow, that was really nice that Kat brought it up and wanted to help. Yeah. So even if the person didn't take you up on it, it plants the seed that you're kind of a go-getter. You're, you know, you're looking out and it's not, it's not even under your domain, but you want to help. So yeah. it says a lot. Yeah. And, and who doesn't want to work with people who are in it together, who are trying to find ways to make things easier and better for everybody. And so, you know, a lot of times people push back on me with this and they say, but I think I'm about to get laid off. Why would I lean into my work? Well, and I actually have a course called laid off now what, and it helps people prep for the layoff and then take seven steps to, to land faster and easier. And one of my tips is if your business is struggling, if you're, you know, you lost 40% of your revenue because of COVID, whatever, if your business is struggling, that's an opportunity for you to stand up and lean in. Now, I don't want you to work 80 hours a week because I also think you should start networking and looking in case you get laid off, but look for one little thing that you can do to help the business survive and thrive. Could be a very small project. And, and here's a tip. If it looks like an easy fix to you, it's probably not an easy fix to anybody else. That's probably your natural gifts and talents right. and skills showing up, but you'll look like a rock star to everybody else. So just offer to help, do something that's above your pay grade or out of your job description. And <laughs> that's gonna serve you well even if you get laid off six weeks from now for a couple of reasons. Your confidence will be up here. You'll have a story to tell and your boss and your coworkers are gonna remember how you showed up when times were tough and they will become those referral partners to your next job or 10 years down the line. I have people that I haven't worked with for 15 years who would be willing to introduce me to their CEO now because of things like that. That's great. It, it makes so many, you know, when you, when you walk it through, it makes so much sense. And these are things people can do. It's not yeah. as if you're asking, you know, that that's really outlandish. I mean, these are straightforward. It's going to take a little courage, take a little nerve to do it, but but they're doable. Now, I had I got a bunch of questions from people, but pretty much all the same that they're in between jobs, lost their jobs. Few have been out for a while. Like, what do you say? So they can't work internally. They can't go to their boss. What should they do to get noticed? to get on the radar, to get their confidence back, to start, you know, 
And so sometimes they don't have their network already. They have to start from scratch. Yeah. So first of all, I want to acknowledge um, how hard it is. I, I got laid off once and I still remember the gut punch. I, I still remember what that feels like to lose your job. Um, it, it is tough. I think the first thing that you should do is to acknowledge that you've had a loss. Um, if, if you've never heard this before, losing a job will put you through the same grief cycle emotionally and intellectually that you go through when you lose a loved one. So just do yourself a favor and acknowledge that this is painful and hard. Secondly, I, I want you to, to look at me because I need to remind you of something. You are just as good and smart and talented today in between paychecks as you were last week, last month, or even nine months ago if you've been unemployed for a long time. So that's the second thing is to remember you didn't forget all your work skills. You're not all of a sudden not a smart, hard worker. You are just as good as you were when you were getting a paycheck. So that mindset, self-confidence thing. And the third tip is to find the people who will make you feel strong and confident. It might be former coworkers. Those are great because they can remind you about your success stories. It might be a stranger you're meeting for the first time. I have so many stories of, of amazing things that happened in my career. And the person who led me there was a brand new person in my life who saw me with no baggage and, and just said, hey, have you ever thought of becoming a speaker? Yeah. No way. And Catherine Poindexter said, I think you'd be great. I'm not taking no for an answer. And she pushed and she pushed and all of a sudden I'm speaking on stages all over the world. So number one, acknowledge the loss. Number two, boost your confidence, um, you know, with, with, with peers and things. And then number three, um, you know, look for the people that fill you up and stop spending time with the people who suck you dry. One of the most dangerous things for unemployed people is getting into groups with other unemployed people because it's slippery slope and it can all of a sudden turn into a, a negative, scary yeah. wine session. And that's just going to pull you down. There are some amazing job clubs. Actually, there's some great job clubs in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, for those of you that are, that are hanging out in the Northeast, <laughs> neighbors helping neighbors. There are places you can go to get support, encouragement, and really good, relevant job search advice. Go out and seek good people who make you feel good and good advice. It's, it makes a lot of sense. And you were saying for people, I think before about six and a half months might be. Yeah. And at the executive level, it's even higher. They generally say one month for every $10,000 that you earn. Yeah, that's a long time, right? For people. It's right. But it doesn't have to be that way. And so just a really, if you want to cut your job search time in half, stop applying for jobs online. 12% chance when you apply online, 40% if you get in by referral. And listen to this. If you get referred to a decision maker, the hiring manager directly, you have a 92% chance of getting that job. So how would you suggest people to, to, to be able to kind of make that happen? You just have to start in your own backyard. So networking, I mean, that can be such an intimidating, scary thing to do if you've never done it. Again, if you've been really hard worker, heads down, and all of a sudden you need a job for the okay. first time, it can be really scary. Try to forget about it as networking. 
and just think about getting to know people, having conversations. Um, so a couple of quick fire tips for you on networking. First of all, start in your own backyard. Literally, I call it the first 50. Literally make a list of everybody that you already know. Former coworkers, people you went to college with, your neighbors, sometimes your family, amazing recruiters like Jack Kelly. Mm -hmm. Make a list of people that you like and that you know and that you trust and reach out to them first. So make that first 50 list. And if you, if you only have five to start with, start with five and they will lead you to two or three more people and all of a sudden your list will explode. So that's the first thing. The second thing is do not start out by saying, I'm unemployed, I need a job, can you help? <laughs> Unfortunately, people get freaked out and over, they're like, oh, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for you, that's terrible and I can't help you and they run away. Don't do that. Instead, say, oh my gosh, Joni, you have twins? I saw you on Facebook. When did you even get married? I can't believe I haven't talked to you in 10 years. How are you doing? And that's it. So start out with a focus on them. This is my, there are two things I learned the hard way in networking. Um, it, it, it isn't really about you. You need to focus on them and get really curious. So I say to myself all the time, get curious like a four-year-old. What's a four-year-old's favorite question? Why, 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 who, what, where? So get really genuinely curious about them. Um, and secondly, and there's neuroscience to back this up. If you take a real interest in them, they're gonna walk away from that conversation, whether it's over LinkedIn or email or the phone and thinking, oh, Jack's a pretty awesome guy. Even if Jack only said three words, but the three words were, tell me more. Our brains walk away thinking somebody's awesome if we have a chance to share our story. So anyway, just start talking to the people you already know, check in on them first. Once the conversation gets going, they're gonna say, how about you? And you're gonna say, oh, the kids are good, the dog is good, but I am on the hunt for my next job. This is what I'm looking for. You happen to know anybody in that industry? And that's how it works. It makes so much sense. Because you're right, if you go to somebody, help, I'm out of work. The other person, even if they want to help, they just feel like, oh my God, I got to deal with this now. I got my own problems. How am I going to help? They, then they feel like, put apart, hey, can I call you back later, Kat? I, I'm just busy now. But if you're making it more of about them, how you're doing, how's it going, letting them talk. And then invariably, as you point out, it goes back to you know, the person, oh, how are you doing, Jack? And then you can kind of bring it out there. So it kind of makes it much more comfortable to do. Yeah, much more low key, comfortable, yeah. easy for them, easy for you. And the other thing is, if you approach every conversation that way, it's a lot easier on you. And you don't have to feel all of that ickiness about, oh my gosh, am I being aggressive? Am I asking for help? You can just skip all that ickiness because you're focused on them. But Jack, we got to talk about the reality is when they say to you, what are you looking for? you need an answer that's clear and concise. Like if you want a job as um, a compliance pro in the finance industry, if you tell me that, I'm sending you to Jack Kelly. But if I say to you, what are you looking for? And you say, I don't know, I'll do anything. I'm not gonna send you to Jack. So you need to have a target job in order for people to know how to help you and who to introduce you to. Yeah, I find that for a lot of people, it's hard to articulate what they do, 
they kind of have an elevator pitch, what they want to do next so that someone could help them. It's I'd be curious of how you feel about this. You know how on you have that open to work banner on LinkedIn. And oftentimes those people would just be, hey, help me, COVID. And how, I, how am I supposed to help? What could I do? I don't know. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about open to work. Um, so long ago when I got into recruiting, I made a commitment to myself and everybody I was working with to be really honest. So I'm going to be really honest with job seekers right now. If you begin a conversation with, I'm unemployed, I need a job. We just talked about what happens. Emotionally, people are like, oh gosh, I feel bad. So they're going to shut down on you. So I've been training job seekers for years, never lead with that. I don't want you to hide it. But it's a lot like saying, I just got divorced. I need a man. Mm -hmm. Hmm. How about, hi, how are you? <laughs> what brought you to this event? How yeah. do you know Jack? Yeah. Um, don't lead with that. The open to work banner is leading with that. So it goes against everything I teach. The only reason I think it's okay right now is because we're in the middle of a pandemic. And I think that open to work banner would have been okay during the great recession because we were in such turbulent times and unemployment was high. So I think right now you can take advantage of a lot of graciousness, especially if you're a consultant my goodness, you definitely want to let people know you're available. So I think it's okay right now, but six months into 2021, I'm going to probably start advising people to take that off their public profile, but keep it there. They're actually job seeker settings in LinkedIn. In my laid off now what guide, I literally walk through what to do on LinkedIn. You can make that open to work thing open to recruiters and not your public profile. So right now it's a toss up. It can be to your advantage, depending on what you're looking for, but I'm skittish about it. What do you think, Jack? So if somebody would put on there, hey, I lost my job doing X, Y, and Z. Here's what I'm looking to do next. Here's the companies I'd like to work for. Here's kind of the compensation that I'm looking for. Then if I have the ability and I know that area, I'd be glad to help or point you in the right direction. But if it's just, hey, I'm out of work, it's kind of actually frustrating because then, all right, now I got to do all the work and try to figure out who you are, what you want to do. And then I'm gonna have to feel guilty if I don't can't figure it out, I can't help. So now not only do I really maybe not want to help this person, but I feel like, wow, you put me in a really awkward position. And then it, you feel badly. Yeah. It's just a whole bunch of negative. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's, it's hard. You, you have to, if you can't tell me what you're looking for in 10 seconds or less, please stop throwing your resume up against a wall and job hunting. Stop and do the heavy lifting to figure out what your next best job is. And I'll, I'll let you know if you set a target that you think makes sense, especially in this market when unemployment is high, um, you got to stand out as a candidate. And one of the most, the easiest ways to do that is to be very specific. I am a, I'm picking on compliance because that's one of your yep. uh, specialties. Okay, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, you know, if you want to stand out uh, in the compliance world, you can't just say John Jones compliance. You have to say, you know, John jo Jones compliance reduced lawsuits by 13% from my last company, something like that, you know. Um, 
you got to put some sizzle in it and you got to be specific about what you want. And when you do, people are going to say, oh, first of all, they're going to get it. They're going to understand what you're looking for. And then that Rolotex is going to start to spin and they're going to start to introduce you to people. So you have to be specific. Um, and Jack, I think you're alluding to all of the LinkedIn requests that you're getting right now that are, hey, you're a recruiter. I need your help. It's, 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 you get a lot of that. Yes, you do. And you're a good, you wouldn't be in recruiting after 20 some years. Yeah. If you, if you didn't care, yes, you care, but you're crazy busy. You have so many messages per day. And when somebody comes in aggressive, they don't even say hello. Um, and it's all about them. You're like, really? So that doesn't work. So rather say, hello, I see we're both connected to Cat Bree. I caught one of your live shows last week and I loved it. That's a good opener. It's about Jack. You did three minutes of homework on LinkedIn. You personalized your message. I'd love to connect. He's much more likely to respond. Now, salespeople's and salespeople's, salespeople and recruiters mm -hmm. do like to get down to business. So it would be good. Jack, tell me if I'm wrong. Do you like it when somebody says, hey, love your show. Great interview with so-and-so. We're both connected to Kat. I'm on the hunt for, and then tell you specifically, do you hire people like this? Are you okay with an initial message like that as a recruiter? See, I'm a sucker when they kind of did some homework and know about it. And then they give you a compliment because I'm very vain. Yeah. So so if I get all those that I'm, I'm apt to help, like, oh, yeah. wow. They like they say they like the show. Even if they did it, they, they at least made an attempt to. So either way, I'm like, I give them kudos that, all right, even if you did it like it, you say you like it. All right, that's cool. You're smart enough to know yeah. that you want to get my attention, get in my radar. And yeah, I'm much more apt to, to, even if I can't help that person, to maybe try to point them in the right direction. Yeah. Without a doubt. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Now, hey, let me ask you this too. So in addition, I know you do a lot of speaking and you deal with a lot of financial advisors. And then also you talk about kind of multiple in income streams. Yeah. And those are all things I, I can't believe a lot of time went by. So I, we went 45 minutes right? so we'll, we'll squeeze these in real quick. Uh, can, can we talk about the multi, does it, is that a separate thing you do or, or is this part of the whole career thing when you talk about multiple? Yeah. So first I'll talk about my work with financial advisors. Okay. Um, so I became a speaker in 2008. You may remember what was mm -hmm. happening with the stock market. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the recession was raging and um, I lost hundred percent of my search revenue overnight. So I had zero income in my business. I had just written my first book for job seekers and I was creating online courses and I became a speaker and everybody that was showing up was unemployed and nobody wanted to pay to show up, but I didn't want to quit because I was helping so many people. And I kept coming home. My tank was full. I said, this is awesome. And my husband said, where's the money? <laughs> oh, I don't know. And he said, go find a sponsor. And I thought, hmm, career transition, money problems, financial advisors. So I hit my network and I started calling everybody that I knew at some of the biggest financial services firms in the world. And lo and behold, I got three no's and, the, and then I got a yes, speaking of rejection. And one company said, huh, you're absolutely right. People who are changing jobs, starting their own companies, they've got money concerns, 401k, life insurance, disability, paychecks. I think we like what you're doing. We'll support three events. That was 12 years and 361 events ago. Wow. So they pay me to speak 
I get to play in my sandbox and help people get more money, freedom, and fun. Sometimes it's teaching networking. Sometimes it's teaching small business startup. Sometimes I'm teaching multiple income streams like I did this morning on my live show. And other times, you know, lots of things. Anyway, they pay me to speak. I get to do what I love. People show up, they get great advice. They get free tools. And then on the back end, if they have financial questions, guess who picks up new clients? So that's that financial, what I've been doing with financial services firms. And I'm delivering a 545% ROI for them. So that's been fun. That's been really fun. Um, your second part of your question was multiple income streams. Okay, well, I kind of go back to it, but that's really, yeah. that's really a brilliant strategy because if I was a financial advisor and let's say there's a mid to senior level executive who's in between jobs, yeah, they're going to be worried about you know, their retirement plans, their 401k plans. They're, maybe they have to rebalance their portfolio. Maybe they're in a lot of risky stocks and they want to go to something that's more income driven, what have you. So that's kind of a natural way. And then the job seeker needs the help because like, all right, I don't know if it's going to take me six and a half months or longer. I don't want to blow through all my savings. Maybe what should I do? Right. So it's a win-win for everybody involved. And job seekers, especially people who get laid off, make so many bad financial mistakes. It is devastating. You know, cashing out their 401k when they don't have to. So many. So it is a, it's a brilliant marriage. And what's fun is that while all the other financial advisors are chasing baby, divorce, marriage, estate planning, fishing in, um, is there a lake in your backyard? Not really. All we're right. Not, well, they're not, all far the Jersey Shore. So all right. An ocean. So, so they're all fishing yeah. in Lake Superior. Yeah. And I'm inviting them into yeah. the Atlantic Ocean, yeah. where there's very little competition. Very right. few financial advisors talk about career transition and money. So anyway, it's just been really fun. It's been a beautiful marriage. We've helped. Um, I think that program alone has helped over eighty thousand people in the last twelve years. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Good for you. That's fantastic. Fun. So if you're a financial advisor, I'd love to talk. <laughs> that's that's great. And then you talk about with multiple income streams, because I, I don't want to front run what you're going to say, but I'm a big proponent, especially seeing from, you know, the after effects of 9-11, the dot-com boom and bust, the financial crisis. Now it's hard to rely on just one thing. Yeah. So so I think that's, so maybe you could talk a little about what, what you what you tell people. Yeah, so um, number one, I just want everybody to understand that if you haven't figured it out, the 30 year career, the gold watch at one company is really rare these days. And the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, uh, 2019, the average American was changing jobs every 4.6 years. So you're going to have to get a new job every four and four and a half years if you sit and wait to see what your boss has in store for you or what the company is. Um, a lot of people are changing jobs more often than that. Uh, so back to get behind the wheel, get in charge of your own career, get ready for your next move. Piece two, one paycheck is financially risky. It just is. And unless you're really good with your money and savings and very, a lot of Americans, did you know this, Jack? A lot of Americans cannot handle a $500 bill that they didn't expect. It's I mean, like they don't have three months emergency funds available. It, know? which terrifies me, but that's the way so many people are mm -hmm. living. You, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you are at incredibly high risk of losing your job and losing your income. And it also means it's tough to quit a bad boss. All of a sudden, if you don't have any cash or any side income, 
you get stuck in a bad job at a bad company, twice the levels of depression, 41% higher healthcare. It's just like this nasty revolving thing. So how do you solve that? Multiple income streams. And it can be as simple as a side hustle. Listen, people have um, started driving their car for Uber, uh, Airbnb, getting a part-time job. You could do that. And I support that 100%. What I'd really love for you to do is to find something that you're naturally really gifted in, that you've got skills and experience in and monetize that on a bigger level. So if you're a project manager and you've got a full-time job as a project manager, why not start picking up some side projects, part-time, you can do nights and weekends, make probably double the money per hour, build up a portfolio and get some side income coming in in the either your current level of expertise or bridging towards something else you wanna do. So for example, I just got out of a meeting this morning with a woman who is an executive VP at a huge retailer in the world. She's got 140 people reporting into her. She's really stinking good at retail management, but in her heart, her fire is helping women walk through their fear and step up and get that success in, at work. So she's writing a book right now and she wants to, side hustle, publish her book, start speaking and coaching on the side, building up that reputation, that portfolio, that income so that she can quit the full-time job and do that full-time. That's a beautiful plan. And inside that business, she will have multiple income streams. So in my business, I have four income streams. I am a speaker. I am a consultant. I sell online courses and I do group coaching programs. So I have four <laughs> lines of income. When COVID hit and I lost all of my um, live events, I quickly flipped the switch and grew my online speaking business. So I'm making more money this year than I had booked before COVID because I had multiple income streams and multiple reputation and a network in these four categories. That's great. See, that, that's why I wanted you to talk about it because uh, I'm, I'm with you on this. And I really didn't think much about it till recently with COVID where you just saw 65 million Americans plus, you know, go needing unemployment benefits where if you don't have money saved up and you don't have anything else going on, it's a really scary predicament. So if you have a few other things in the works, is it going to, uh, at, at first, will it take the place of your salary? Probably not, but will it help a little bit? Sure. And plus, it could be a, something that you really love doing anyway. So like you pointed out, if it's something that you enjoy and it's kind of hobbyish and you can monetize a little bit, well, then you're doing something you like and you're making some money and it takes some of the stress off. And then I like what you said too, is that if you have no other alternative and you're stuck in a really bad job, you feel even more stuck because you don't have the financial wherewithal right. to do something else. So, right. you know, whether um, it runs the gamut. You know, it depends on your situation. It could be yeah, if you have the funds to you know, invest in the market, in real estate, if you don't, maybe, you know, in the gig economy kind of thing. So this way you have a bunch of different things working in your favor, just in case, you know, and anything is, happens. And it is so yeah. much easier yeah. today yeah. than it was even 10 years ago. You can get, there are 34 online marketplaces that I recommend to go find a gig, go find a project. I've got a marketing consultant I'm working with who's in Bangkok, Thailand. He's traveling the world and he's working on Fiverr and Upworks picking up projects. So you could do so many things on the side. Um, 
you work with executives a lot in your business. Um, and so I just want to speak to the executives out there. A lot of them that I deal with say, oh, I don't know. I don't want to dilute my reputation and my brand by doing a side hustle. Well, first of all, don't call it a side hustle. Second of all, what do you mean? The people that you meet are going to really be fascinated and intrigued by what you're doing over here. It's not going to dilute your value over here. And when you're dealing with an executive recruiter like Jack, if you lost your job because of COVID, and you're doing whatever you got to do to feed your family, even if that's bagging groceries, just to get some cash in while you look for that next great job. Jack, what do you think of people who are doing that? I applaud them. And I see that a lot. Yeah. Like I'll see a lot of people who do this. They'll do the consulting thing on the side. If the companies, sometimes within the Wall Street, you have to get approval for it. So if you get approval for it, then they'll do kind of like a hang a shingle out. Yeah. And let's say they're a there are a lot of attorneys in compliance and maybe they do some legal work on the side and yeah. so on. So it shows that they're motivated, they're hustling a little bit, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're doing something and they're doing, a lot of times they're doing what they love to do anyway, but they're yeah. just getting paid for it. So I, I think that's a big benefit. I think that's a big benefit. Um, wow. It's, it's almost an hour already. So we, we went through a lot real quick. Is there anything I didn't ask you or that you want to talk about that maybe I didn't bring up? No, not at all. You know, we spent a lot of time uh, talking about job search, and this is a really difficult market. So I would, I would love to give your guests a free uh, download. I've got a, and I should have sent it to you ahead of time. I've got a, a networking scripts, literally what to say when you're reaching out to a recruiter or a hiring manager or a former coworker. I'd love to give that to your guests as a gift. Um, can I send that off to you and you can put it in the description? Absolutely. That'd be great. We could it. put it, because what we do, Kat, after this, we, uh, Nicole, who you met before the show, would uh, help ed like edit everything and you know, you know, spruce it up and you know. Great. When I'm, when I'm babbling, she'd cut it out and be nice, or maybe she won't leave it in to make me feel miserable. And then we'll put on. We can put on your book too, because you you have. In fact, what, you want to mention the book that you have that you were talking about? You know, actually, I've got um, online courses, okay. so I took my book and and put it online. Put it to, okay. I can continue to push fresh content. So we've Great. got a course for laid off now what we have a course for job seekers called get hired faster and we have a coaching program for consultants and freelancers called um how to become a highly paid consultant and it's all out at my website arbez.com and they can get 20 percent off with the coupon code covid20 great now what is arbez i was looking at that what does that stand for okay <laughs> sorry so it's not arbitrary there's, there's behind it I married a guy from South Africa and right. his parents bought me Joe as a wedding present. Oh, wow. I have a stock certificate yeah. and this headshot and he yeah. lives on their farm in South Africa. And they said, now that we bought you a zebra, hopefully you'll come visit us in South Africa. And will you please bring our son with you? So, <laughs> so his name's Joe, he's our company mascot and I help people change their stripes and uh, stand out go. from the herd, do what they love for a living. <laughs> That's fantastic. Wait a minute, but what does Arbez mean though? Wait, I got- I've, I've... Zebra backwards. Uh, okay. See, see, I'm not afraid to ask those like questions when you say like a four-year-old, like most people are like, oh yeah, Arbez. I'm like, wait, I don't get it. What's what the heck is that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I, still don't, I still don't understand. All right, so it's spelled backwards. That's perfect. That's all. So wait, when you're in South Africa, I know we're getting off tangent here. How I hear it's like beautiful. It's like amazing. How is it? It's exquisite. Yeah. You should put it on your bucket list yeah. and you should go before you're 70 so that you can walk among the lions and the rhinos. Did you do that? I did. 
Um, it, it It's otherworldly. So the whole safari thing is, I felt like I landed in <laughs> prehistoric times and the people are beautiful. There is a lot of turmoil there, yeah. but it is beautiful. The people are beautiful. Um, there are over 10 official languages. You've got the wine country. I've been great white shark diving. I've been scuba diving in Mozambique, um, walking among the lions. It's a beautiful country. The wines are great. The food's delicious and the people are joyful and beautiful. So there's my South Africa. Wow. Pitch. You know, much warmer than Minnesota, right? So And there's that. <laughs> Winter for them is, uh, yeah, a balmy 50 is a cold morning. Gosh. But it is, it's, 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 there's some places that's a little uh, violent, right? A little tough, I understand. Yeah, you know, it is a third world country. And so you've got the first world, incredible technology and infrastructure in the big cities. Um, But there is a lot of poverty and it's a kind of poverty that, that is tough to find in America. And um, yeah, so there, there, there is violence. I, I don't want you to hop on a plane and go over there by yourself because you need to know where to go. Um, get a travel agent, get a tour guide, or even better, get a local. You know, it's like traveling to any country that you've never been to. Um, it's smart to get a tour guide. So I do still recommend it. I even recommend it to friends. Um, I've taken my kids many times and I do recommend people travel with their children, but only if they've got locals that are taking them around and they know where to go. So so not only does Kat give career advice, job search advice as a tour guide, <laughs> advice about where to go. And if you go, like what you have to do when you go in there. So you get it, where else do you get this great information, right? What a great LinkedIn Live. What a great guest. This is great, I really appreciate it. So I love, I love your advice, it's super helpful. I think this is the kind of thing people could watch it again and again and pick up a lot of the pieces because really I get a lot from you is that, and, and I take it you're, you're very extroverted, right? Because you come across very friendly, very out there. For a lot of people it's hard, but I think you broke it down to them in certain things. Hey, here's what you do. Here's how you get noticed if you're working to get ahead. Here's what you do if you're not working. It's kind of a nice subtle way to get the attention of people and how to get them on your side, how to get referrals from them. How to, how to network yourself internally in your career and grow. So, so I think you gave so much valuable information to people, which is awesome. And this is a time where they need it. And this is what's so great, what I personally love about doing this is that I know there's so many people who need this advice. And what better way to reach out to people like yourself who live it, breathe it, been doing it, someone who was a recruiter, someone who was in sales, someone who's now a career coach. So you're giving real life experience, not just you know making it up on the fly, but you've lived it for, you know, you know, so long. So like you're, you're talking from experience, which is the best teacher. So I really appreciate you taking the time and really talking to everybody and sharing all your advice. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's been a blast. Oh, oh my pleasure. And, uh, I love your show. Excellent. So, Hey guys, like, follow, Thanks. share Jack's yes. show. It is he brings on fabulous Thank guests. You. It's it's a kind of information that your mama and your papa didn't give you, <laughs> and you need it. So tune in. Thank you Thanks. all. Happy holidays. I really appreciate you having me on today. My Thank pleasure, Kat. Take care. And Happy holidays. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the WeCruiter podcast. If you want to check out other great content from WeCruiter, make sure to visit us at WeCruiter.io. That's W-E-C-R-U-I-C-R dot I-O. We offer tons of great resources for job seekers and professionals, so make sure to check us out today.